chapter, the Lord Jesus addresses the question, Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Judas never intended to do what he did. He did not intend for things to come out the way that they did. He did not desire to see Jesus dead. And he certainly did not desire to see himself dead. Judas would never have called what he did betrayal. But Jesus did. The devil always has a different name for sin. We call it speaking our minds. Rather, the devil calls it that. God calls it malicious gossip. We call it the new morality. God calls it the old immorality. The devil calls it open-mindedness. God calls it shallowness. We call it conviction. God calls it prejudice. We call it being strong-willed. God calls it being self-righteous and stubborn. Judas never intended to do what he did. And I wonder how the question struck his ears as Jesus said, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? But you see, G Judas did not consider it betrayal. He called it something else. The error of Judas is oft repeated, and it is always repeated by those who, like Judas, had a sincere desire in their heart to serve God, but they were bound and determined that they knew better than God knew as to how to do that. Ju Judas thought that Jesus was the hottest thing in town. Judas followed Jesus for political reasons. He attached himself to the leading candidate. He put himself in with the man voted most likely to succeed. He threw in his lot with a man whom all of the people followed. And when Jesus began to say, The Son of Man will go to Jerusalem and be betrayed into the hands of evil men, and there he will die, Judas said, You've got to be crazy. Oh, Judas said to himself, Man, with a little bit of luck, we're going to crown you king. And you talking about dying? Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Oft repeated, as in, Lord, I know what you say, but I'm more concerned with what I think. And you ought to realize, God, that the Bible just doesn't apply to this situation. You don't understand our circumstances, so we're going to do what we want to. Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Or, Lord, I know you want my life, but I'm afraid to give you everything I've got because if I do, I might wind up as a missionary on the dark continent. Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Lord, I know what you said about godly living, but after all, I'm not too bad. And after all, God, nobody knows what I'm really like. Does it do any harm? Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? 
Lord, the Bible's outdated, and I know what it says, but this is a democracy. I know what the Bible says, and I know that this is your church. But if it doesn't go to suit me, I'm going to tear it up. Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And often we do that to each other. I heard the other day on some news program that the chances of your being done in, as they put it, were three to one greater that you would be done in by a friend than by an enemy. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, I really love old so-and-so, but now let me tell you what's wrong with them. That's a lot of love. Betrayest thou thy friend with a kiss? And the tragedy of Judas that is oft repeated is that Judas would never call it betrayal. But it was. And the tragedy of broken relationships and broken homes and hurt feelings and feuds that endure for years is that we would never call it betrayal, what we do to each other, what we do to God, but that's what it is. The tragedy of Judas is that he betrayed Jesus over to death and he never really intended to do it. And it is very easy for us to betray Christ without really trying to. How do we do that? First of all, we may do it through unbelief. Through unbelief. Luke 24, 11. That Jesus is alive from the dead. The women who have gone to anoint the body at the tomb have discovered him missing. They have seen him. They have seen the angels. And they have hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples that the Lord is alive. And Luke 24, 11 says this. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Matthew 17, verses 19 and 20. Then came the disciples to Jesus and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For truly I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed... You shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. But you could not, Jesus said, because of your unbelief. All you really have to do to betray Jesus just as certainly and definitely as Judas did is nothing. All you have to do to betray him is absolutely nothing. How do you do that? There's some who shun the matter of public confession of their faith in Christ and following the Lord in baptism. But not to believe Jesus is to betray Him. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Whoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men... Him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Not to believe Him is to betray Him. Romans 10, 11. For Scripture says, Whoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. 
You may betray Christ without even trying. If you refuse to share your commitment with Christ and your love for Him publicly as He demands. That's unbelief. You may betray Christ without even trying in the matter of service. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Here is the word power. Here is the word witness. And not to obey, not to believe that this is true, that it is God's will and not to practice it, is sin. It is unbelief. And it is at this point that we need to hear a word about practical atheism. Practical atheism. Not the atheism of an idea that says there is no God. That doesn't hurt. The Bible says only a fool would say in his heart there is no God. So atheism is not and will never be any threat to the health of the church. But what about that practical atheism that lives as though God were not there and did not exist? That's the kind we've got to worry about. Practical atheism. Lives demonstrated by unbelief and disobedience to God. Practical atheism is more dangerous than the other kind. And it shows up in the matter of service. Belittling and not practicing the place of prayer in your life and in the work of the Lord is practical atheism. One of the more ridiculous things I've ever heard, I remember the first time I heard it years ago, was, well, it's all right to pray, but then you've got to go to work and make it happen. Well, now, there is an element of truth in that. There is an element of truth in that, but only an element. Because the Bible says that prayer is the greatest force on the, power of, on the face of the earth. Jesus said, if you shall pray and believe, nothing shall be impossible to you. And all I hear from time to time, people accused of praying too much and working too little but I see the other problem a thousand times as often. Like a jalopy in a mud hole trying to get out spinning wheels, not calling the wrecker who can pull you out. I do not consider myself smarter than God, and God said to pray. And not to pray is practical atheism. Not to witness demonstrates practical atheism. For how could we be silent if we really believe that the people we do not witness to are going to spend eternity in a devil's hell? That's practical atheism. Not to serve is practical atheism. The idea of being a parasite, of being a spectator, of being willing to be served but not being willing to serve is practical atheism. There are five able-bodied people for every position in this church. And yet, as often occurs in many churches, we cannot fill the positions we have. That's practical atheism. And some of us are going to be accountable to God because we just as soon let somebody else do our job. To be inconsistent demonstrates unbelief. 
and is a symptom of practical atheism. How do we betray Christ without really trying? How do we betray Him while we say, Oh, Jesus, I love you? By unbelief. By thinking some way for some odd reason that no matter what God says, we know a better way to do His will and His work. That is practical atheism and it is betraying Christ. How do you betray Christ without really trying? You do it in the matter of hypocrisy. John 12, verses 4 to 6. Now, Judas is pretending one thing while another is really the case. The situation is that a woman has come and broken a very costly bottle of perfume and spread it over the body of Jesus. Now, Judas, how does he mask his hypocrisy? He masks it by concern for the poor. Judas says, Lord, why'd you let her do that? We could have sold that for a lot of money and given it to the poor. But John says in John 12, verse 6, This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and carried that that was put in it. Judas, pointing the finger at one need, masked the intent of his heart, and that is hypocrisy. Titus 1, verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Revelation 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things saith he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you live and are dead. Verses 15 and 16. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Jesus' harshest words. And when he had to be harsh, he could be were to the Pharisees and the scribes, the leaders of religion, the elders of Israel, the religious people. They prayed, they fasted, and they gave very generously. But they did it all in public. They wanted to be sure they didn't do anything that somebody didn't see. And Jesus said they have their reward. And to demonstrate God's attitude toward hypocrisy in the church, Acts 5, verses 1 to 11, tell the story of Ananias and Sapphira who decided to lie to the church so they would look more generous than they actually were. And the judgment on their hypocrisy was death. Death on the spot. God's attitude toward hypocrisy is a serious attitude. 
And anything that is not contrary with the law of love, which is the law that brought Jesus to the cross, is ungodly and has its origin with Satan. What about our own hypocrisy? Many are church members and yet they are not Christians. And there is the hypocrisy, the pride that will not let them own up and confess their sins and repent and be forgiven and be saved. What about a Christian who is not committed and yet every sign of commitment is there but there is no reality to it that is betraying Christ without really trying in the matter of hypocrisy. What about a Christian who is not concerned for the things of God, who is not active in the service of God except on their own terms for their own benefit at their own convenience? That is hypocrisy, and it is betraying Christ without really trying. How else may we betray Christ without trying unbelief, hypocrisy? There is the matter simply of indifference. Indifference, Matthew 7. Verse 26. And everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Luke 12. Verse 47. And the servant who knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Matthew 25, verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. You should therefore have put my money into the exchange, that at my coming I should have received my own with interest. Over and again in Scripture, there is the condemnation of those who know what God wants and just simply don't care enough to do it. And to be indifferent toward Christ, toward the church, toward our place in His kingdom's work. To be indifferent is to betray Christ without really trying. To be unconcerned, just not to be worried about it. An unconcerned Christian is a contradiction in terms. And you may know that there's something amiss in your Christian life. When you discover that your desire is always to take, always to be fed, always to be served, but never to give, never to feed others, never to serve others. That's backwards. God has left us here after salvation for the purpose of service, for the purpose of others, for the purpose of His kingdom's work. The only reason He would leave us here after we are saved is for others. So that He might use us in the lives of others. So that He might take us and reach others. And to be indifferent and unconcerned and uncommitted and just plain unwilling to do what God desires that we do 
is to betray Christ without trying. Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Often we do it for much less. I wonder what your price is in this matter. Judah's life did not have to end the way that it did. He did not have to end the bitter way of betrayal, the bitter end of suicide. And we, like Judas, are committing spiritual suicide when we refuse to do God's will, when we are not concerned, when we do not believe Him, when we pretend one thing and live another. We, like him, are committing spiritual suicide and we are betraying Jesus as he did. We would not call it betrayal, but then neither did Jesus, neither did Judas, rather. We would call it something else. We would call it concern. We would call it dedication. We might even call it commitment and with sadness in his eye Jesus stands by and he says betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss may we pray father it's just so backwards when we are so consumed with our own desires and so convinced of our own opinions that we will not even listen to your spirit or to your word. Father, it's betrayal no less than Judas was a betrayer. I just pray, Father, that you would impress us tonight with your bigness. I pray that you would impress us, everyone, with the fact that you really are in control of everything and that you really can handle our lives and our needs and that there isn't any situation that's beyond your remedy or your control. Father, forgive us when we look at you and just say, Well, Lord, you just don't understand. We're going to have to do it our way. Father, I pray that whatever it takes, you'll either cure us or kill us. Lord, that you just get us in the center of your will or just take us out of the way so your work can go on. Father, you know our needs and you know our desires to serve you, but deliver us from ourselves and the idea that we know how to serve you better than your word tells us to. Father, none of us want to be like Judas. Lord, deliver us from betraying you unknowingly. I pray that you will do in this place what you want to do tonight and in the days ahead. And I just thank you that because this is your church, And because you are the Lord, that you can do it without all of us if you have to. Or that you can do it without any of us. Father, may we be a people of the book. Banish practical atheism from our midst. Teach us to believe and honor you as we believe and obey your word. Do with us just exactly as you please. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.